0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with legendary Blues Hall of Fame singer Betty Levin. She opened up about her new 2020 CD, Blackbirds. It will be out on August 28, 2020. This album is coming out during the COVID-19 pandemic and it's a tribute to the iconic black women in music. This Blues Hall of Famer is a native of Detroit and at 16, she released her first recording in 1962 on Atlantic Records. That led to a storied and glorified career that has included five Grammy nominations and fans all over the world that adore her music. Please get to know her.
1: Hi, Betty, it's Joe Domino with Dion Jazz Radio in Kansas City, Missouri.
2: Hi, baby. How are you? Well, that's a good video, Nate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it works. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's enough vows going on in there. Hey, it's
2: nice to meet you. Thank you. It's nice to meet you as well.
1: So you got new material out right now, and it's Blackbird. It's, it's a great album, and it's just it's another one in your long evolution of being such a, such a wonderful singer. Talk to me about kind of your artistic vision for this project.
2: I, you know, Joe. It, it, at first, it was um, a thing wanting to uh, bring attention to these women who everybody runs around beating themselves on the chest saying they're a rhythm and blues singer, and these were the first rhythm and blues singers, the first women, a couple of them that I ever saw on television because at one point it was you were hard pressed to find a black black person on television and then other than Ella Fitzgerald, you hard uh, and Dorothy Andrews and those who were still alive, Lena Horn, you were hard pressed to find any of these women. And uh, um first it was just all about that. And then uh all of this tumultuous stuff that happened here just threw blackbirds back into the the four it was one of the old tunes by the old singers that I was doing at first, and then it became, in in a month, a timely song, "Strange Fruit" song, the, the song on uh, Billie Holiday. So it changed kind of the whole meaning and the way I look at the entire album now. I'm I'm not really sure whether I'm I'm reminiscing of uh, being. Shedding light on what's still happening, or but I like it.
1: <laughs> these are very strange times. No one has ever seen anything like this and in, and in, in, uh, in, in, in all of these years and these decades that we've lived here in America, how do you feel about releasing this album during this very unique time of not only pandemic but all of the all, all of the seeking of of getting everything to a better place with all of us on this planet?
2: The album of uh, actually it, it it got down into like days when did the pandemic officially start when did the c d the c d still has not been released you know the 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 release date is august uh twenty eighth or twenty ninth but yeah. the thing the incident came up with um the uh george floyd thing and and uh the um Strange fruit, and they were just so timely. When they stopped saying, uh, unarmed black man and started calling it a lynching, it just, uh, I felt like the song just felt right into there. I was very, very worried about people stopping and just listening to it and listening to this bridge that I came across on. And now that at least, uh, that has a, a better chance of happening because we're all being a little more still.
1: What have you been doing during this time? How, how has this COVID-19 treated you? How do you view kind of this calming of the world and kind of an awakening, so to speak, of humanity?
2: Well, it's my, my granddaughter was, was, uh, saying to me that the thing that's so frightening about this, that is so completely unfamiliar. She said, Grandma, you could tell me about uh, the the 60s and the 70s, and they've had all these movies about the, the Second World War and whatever. She said, no one can tell you anything about this. <laughs> it's just totally yeah. unfamiliar. And yeah. I think that's the thing that has... we. The conversation started about a friend of ours who never dreams, and he had this dream about a friend who's been dead for almost 30 years. And she said, my daughter, who was, my granddaughter who was studying psychology at the University of Michigan, <laughs> immediately said, that's just like seeming like a, a longing for something familiar. You know, he dreamed about him because he wanted to see something familiar. And that is a, a thing that is, goodness, nothing is familiar. Nobody the only thing that is becoming familiar is that we're all in the same boat. It's almost like being attacked by another planet. We are all in the absolute same boat. There, I don't know what coming out of this on the other side is going to be like, but it is really brought to for some realizations, some good things, like people saying, I haven't had dinner with my family in two years, or... Of uh, one of the um, people who worked at Verb was telling me that he told his wife, "You know, I really do like you <laughs> <laughs>
1: that 's awesome yeah let me, let me ask you this you know you 've started out in detroit you 've become a legend. What was the first live show that you saw that made you think I want to do that?
2: It wasn't a, I want to do that. I've I've sung, and as my mother would attest, my um, my family uh, sold corn liquor during uh, uh, segregation, and we lived in western Michigan, where you pretty much, if you wanted a drink, you had to come to my house. And we had a jukebox, and I learned all the songs on the jukebox. And so I knew I wanted to do that for right then, but I didn't know that people... Did anybody, I didn't know anyone who did it. And even by the time I got to Detroit, I, while I had met these gospel singers in, in, in Muskegon at 18 months old and, and, and three years old, and that's all I knew about them. I knew they did it, but I thought they only did it in church and we didn't have a television. And then when we moved from Muskegon to Detroit, I started this once in a while see, or somebody on television and i said i want, I said, but they don't let little children go on television, so for a long time, I didn't even know that it could be done by me, but I think I always knew that i that was what I wanted to do. I always wanted to own a black dress from about two and a half years old. My mother said, I never took naps, I always like to stay up all night long. <laughs> And so I think I've Perfect. I think I've always been uh, Betty Lavette and and was just waiting for a time when I could do so.
1: So what do you like the best about performing? What's the best part about being a performer?
2: My goodness, walking up on the stage and everybody looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it I get a chance to that is a good thing though. I mean that's a wonderful feeling when all eyes are on you. It's a nerve, nerving, unnerving feeling, certainly, if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're young, and certainly that has happened to me as well. But uh, it, being an old person that the whole room is paying attention to is very good. And it, it's, I get a chance to cry where other people may look silly just breaking down in the middle of the evening crying. But that's what I do in the middle of my songs. I get a chance to fuss argue. And then since it's this last album, the Bob Dylan album, I get a chance to complain about everything that ever happened in the entire world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Speaking of Bob Dylan, it's a great segue here. You know, we are in an unprecedented time on this planet. It's very surreal. It's very strange. We're all in it together. When we do come out of this and live music returns, What do you hope both musician and the audience realizes about this time away from live music?
2: Oh, the importance of it. I'm glad that they're getting a chance to... This this whole group of ours from like about the turn of the century until now, they experienced the being introduced to it and not ever having had it just so available before. And then when it did become available, they just felt like it was just like milk. Or something. I mean, it was just there. <laughs> yeah. And I think, that for one thing, I think they're going to be certainly more appreciative of it and all these things that they're doing. Um, I did one of the um, uh, videos for the uh, New York Jazz Society with, with, with uh, my producer, Steve Jordan. I did another one for the Blues Society. And I think that these people not being able to go and see us Not hearing, knowing a lot of the stories about us that they're now finding out, I I just think that that, that's one of the good things that's happened, too. It's awful that it's happening, but if something good can be found of it, we should certainly seek, seek it out.
1: Without a doubt. So let me ask you this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, many fans, but you're living your life. Who do you think you are?
2: Oh, I, I think I'm, I'm Betty LeVette. I was born Betty Joe Haskins, and Betty LeVette happened so young at 16 years old. It was almost something I denied myself because it was just too much for me to live up to as a teenager. And with um, a great manager in Jim Lewis, who I don't know what he was really done for the artist, But for the, in terms of commercial terms, but in terms of, uh, the, the, the child growing into a woman and being in this business, he certainly primed me for all of this with, with the words of, you may never be a huge star, but you can become a great singer and you can do that for the rest of your life. It it took him a long time to show me how that works. (laughs) Having learned that, I now have become Betty LeVette, and that that isn't, um, he early on also taught, there's so many little bit of things, Joe, you wouldn't even believe. He said, don't stop saying I'm Betty LeVette, because nobody gives it. And that was early on, and even to this day, I will say my name is Betty Vett. <laughs> but he just instilled so many of those things in me. I'm glad that that's whoever I am. I'm glad that that's the kind of person I've turned out to be. And I'm glad now that I, I thought at one point I was going to die in obscurity and broke. Now I see I'm just going to die broke, but I'm not obscure yeah. anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Betty, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. I really appreciate it. Uh, good luck with the new album. Stay safe Oh, out Jill, there.
2: thank you so much for talking with me. I'm glad you liked the album, and I appreciate your help so much.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in Detroit, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Betty for her class, her time, and her music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. And until next time, support all the arts and enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz